welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, your host every week for the WSN podcast as we enter, what is this, week 85, 86 of, uh, of safer at home quarantine, uh, whatever social isolation, social distancing, whatever you want to call it. Sure feels like it. Um, it feels like it's been a long time. It, it feels like, you know, we uh, we all would love to see some things turn in the right direction. The weather is maybe turning in the right direction a little bit. It's uh, a sunny day out, even if not very warm on this Wednesday. Uh, and, you know, it feels a little bit like spring. It feels a, li- a little bit like early season high school baseball weather. And that just gets us even more sad that we're not out enjoying some of that action. But we are going to continue enjoying some of the action that is uh, taking place off the court, off the field, off the diamond, um, even if it's just in our own heads. As we uh, today are going to talk to Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer at WSN. We're going to talk to him about uh, some content that he put out last week around some of the top teams to look for next season. Kind of a too early look at the 2020-2021 season. We'll uh, go through each division to, uh, to get his thoughts on some of the top teams, some of the top stories that we'll be watching next year. Uh, but before we get to that, or excuse me, after we get to that, uh, after we talk to Mark in, in just a moment here, I'm uh, going to run through some content that I put out on uh, Twitter yesterday and today uh, about some updates to some names for football conferences that we've gotten in as we start to get ready for the fall football season. We knew the, uh, the changes and the realignment that that is occurring for 2020, that was passed officially by the WIA a year ago. Uh, but we are now starting to get uh, some more of the logistical things figured out. We've uh, Again, we've gotten names for some of the new conferences and the changes and, and adjustments. So we'll run through those and highlight some of the, uh, the things that stick out from that as we uh, continue on with our uh, no sports, no live sports uh timeline and additions and versions of the WSN podcast. As we mentioned earlier, the boys basketball season and of course girls basketball season as well were uh, unfortunately cut short. The uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, leading to the cancellation of the boys basketball tournament as teams were getting ready for sectional final games actually after uh, the night of the sectional semifinal games. But it's never too early to start talking about next year. And that does bring with it, you know, some uh, some positivity, some hope, some outlook, some uh, something to look forward to as we tr- still try to deal with everything that's going on. But uh, it is time to look ahead and helping us look ahead at the boys hoops uh, landscape for the coming season is Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer at Wisports.net, also a WBCA Hall of Fame member. Mark, I know it, uh, it, it seems awful early to start looking ahead already, but uh, with no, uh, obviously, state tournament, with no AAU season, at least in the spring here. We don't have uh, much else to talk about uh, on the uh, on the basketball landscape, so why not look ahead, right? Absolutely. It's never too early to look ahead. So we're always looking and trying to figure out, okay, how's this all going to shake out? And unfortunately, like you mentioned before, we we didn't get a, a closure to the, to the 2019-20 season, and that's really a shame for all involved. But... Um, you know, we uh, at this point, uh, since that's behind us, I guess we look ahead and, like you said, try to try to think positively and, and um, have anticipation of what's going to happen down the road here. 
And of course, that's not something new. You know, we we talk about uh, you know what what might be ahead um, pretty pretty quickly after the state tournament every year. And in fact, even during the state tournament, uh, some of the conversations are around. You know, this team is looking really good at state. They've got some good players coming back. We could see them back here next year. So, not uh, not anything new or different necessarily from uh, what we've always done and what uh, a lot of people have always done, which is. You know, you, you move on from the moment and you look ahead. And we are going to start our look ahead. We're going to go division by division, and we'll start in Division One, where, uh, as you mentioned in your, your piece that you published uh, last week, I guess it was, on Wisports.net, talking about some of the top teams in Division One to look for, Brookfield Central gets the distinction of being a uh, defending champion for two years. They won it in 2019. Uh, we're still alive, of course. Had a huge sectional showdown pending with Sussex-Hamilton. Uh, in uh, in a sectional final before things got canceled. Um, but Brookfield Central, even though they lose uh, I don't, three players, three key players uh, in a couple double-digit scores, they've got to enter as uh, one of the favorites once we get things going for the 2020-2021 season. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, they have two seniors to be uh, who are going to be Division One players and Ben Now and David Joplin. Um, and then, you know, they bring back Andrew Rohde, who saw uh, a lot of playing time last year as a sophomore and is a very good pro- prospect in his own right. And, and then, you know, th- it's a program that uh, is one of our Cadillac programs, if you will, in, in the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, beyond those guys, there's really good players as well. So uh, I look for Central to, to certainly be, you know, a top 10, top five kind of team next year. Uh, a team that everyone's going to have to go out and and play exceptionally well to to defeat. Um, And, of course, they're competing in in the greater metro with Sussex-Hamilton and Brookfield East and Menominee Falls. And I mean, the list goes on and on. The two Tosa schools, uh, Marquette High, I mean, it's just a really great league. So uh, they get get, uh, tested night in and night out. And Coach Dan Wandry plays a very good non-conference schedule as well. So uh, it's it's a team that uh, you know everyone's going to be pointing to on their schedule because they are the defending state champions and because they uh, you know obviously have two kids that are that are high marquee players and now in Joplin and I think Rhodey's right with those two so should be a, another really good team at Brook Central next year. I want to talk a little bit more about David Joplin for a moment, uh, a kid that was certainly on the radar. He was a uh, you know a Division One prospect coming into the season. And really solidified himself, not just as a D1 prospect, but as a potentially high major kid, especially late in the year. He really started to dominate games as the season went along. Uh, where where do you see his trajectory? Uh, if we had a spring AAU season, where do you think his recruiting would have gone? And where do you think it will go over the coming months? Well, that's a great question. It's, it's hard to, to know the answer to that. I mean, based on the way he finished his high school season, uh, you know, obviously he was playing exceptionally well, had put up some huge numbers against some really good teams and was shooting the ball uh, at a very high level. The thing about David is that he he's pretty versatile. He can play around the basket, but he can also go outside and play on the perimeter. Uh, made a lot of three-point baskets this past season. Uh, you know, so he's got good size. It's six, seven. You know, uh, I guess the biggest question with David uh, is what position will he play at the next level? You know, is he a three uh, a four, you know, uh, at the high major level, uh, he might be a little undersized for a four, but at the same time, he's a guy that could take other fours away from the basket because of his ability to shoot. 
he's a tough competitor. You know, he, he averaged uh, over 10 rebounds a game. So, you know, he, he, he uh, isn't just a scorer. Uh, he's also a good passer. So um, I think for a kid like Joplin, the, the COVID-19 really, really hurt. Um, not only, obviously, for the end of the high school season to see how they would have done against Sussex and had they won that game, how they would have done in Madison. But you know, like you mentioned before, the AAU circuit, you know, how would he have fared? You know, there would have been a lot of eyes on him uh, in the month of April and a lot of people, you know, wanting to see exactly how he could fit in with their program. Uh, but now that that is is not uh, an option, you know, he'll have to look hopefully um, to the summer where he can again, you know, go out and play in front of a lot of coaches. We we certainly hope that uh, the summer uh, high school and AAU seasons uh, aren't aren't canceled. Um, but it looks like you know April for sure is done, and you know the May is looking pretty iffy right now as well. So you know for kids like Joplin and now and, and all the 2021 kids and even the younger kids, it's it's very disappointing uh, on the heels of the huge disappointment of not being able to to complete the high school season. Let's stay in the Greater Metro Conference and talk about a couple other teams that are certainly going to be among the uh, the teams to watch. Of course, Sussex Hamilton with Patrick Baldwin Jr. coming back. They lose some really good uh, surrounding, complementing players, uh, J.T. Hoyting, Carson Smith, Lucas Finnessy, but some solid kids coming back. That's uh, shaping up to be some, uh, uh, again, next year, some huge battles between Sussex and Brookfield Central. Right, and then, you know, you toss in those other teams in the, in the greater metro, and uh, it's never an easy walk in the park by any means. Um, yeah, you know, obviously Patrick Baldwin being back makes them a team that uh, a lot of people are going to want to watch. He's a terrific all-around player and, you know, top five kid in the class nationally. Um, so he's back to lead the way for Sussex Hamilton, uh, you know, his fourth year with the, with the program. Um, there's some other size in the program. Nolan Ryder's back, and he's 6'8", and he's he's more of a true post as compared to Patrick, who can play, you know, several different spots on the floor. And then uh, Coach Cerrone brings back a couple uh, experienced and talented guards, Tanner Resch and Luther Smith. Um, and like Brooks Central, there's there's really good guys uh, in the program that maybe aren't names that a lot of people know right now, just simply based on the fact that uh, there's so much talent. Uh, and, you know, you can only put five guys out on the floor at one time. And and, uh, you know, maybe play eight to ten in a game, in a, in a tight game anyway. So, um, but uh, the program's in really good shape. And, and obviously when you got a kid of Baldwin's uh, ability, uh, it's a team that's uh, going to have to be reckoned with. And I, I see them being a top five team all year as well. Another team in the greater Metro Menominee Falls, uh, a team that didn't have a sparkling record. They were 10 and 14, but they had two sophomores that each averaged over 20 points a game, Stephen Clay and Seth Trimble. So is that a team that could take that next step? Do they have enough uh, experience and depth and, and everything else to sneak in and, and challenge potentially Brookfield Central, Sussex Hamilton, and in a Brookfield East, for instance? Well, I think on paper they do. Certainly Clay and, and Trimble, uh, Stephen Clay and Seth Trimble, two juniors, are are among the top players in that class in the state. And I think both of them will, will uh, you know, garner attention from Division One schools this summer. So you start with those two guys, and then you're sprinkling guys like Joey Tabbert and Greg Kemp and Colton Smith around them. That that gives them a little more experience. Um, but like you mentioned, they only won 10 games this past year. And, you know, can they beat teams like Brookfield East and, and Marquette High and Wauwatosa East? 
uh, Wabatosa West. Uh, you know, those are that's a big question um, because the league is so competitive and so deep. Um, they'd have to take a big step up, but they do have two outstanding players to build their team around, and they will be entering their, their second year now uh, under Coach Jay, uh, Jason Hallenbeck. Uh, this past year was the first year, so there'll be a little bit more familiarity uh, with the coaching staff and the players, so I think that will help them as well. Uh, but it, it speaks to the depth and the, and the overall talent that's in that conference. I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable how, how good that league really is. If the Greater Metro Conference wasn't the best, most competitive, deepest conference in the state, many people felt that designation might belong to the Big Eight. For next year, obviously Madison LaFollette was having a great season and, and still alive, but for next year, what what do the Lancers have or, or who might be the, the cream of the crop in the Big Eight next year? Yeah, I think the Fox Valley Association will probably be a better league next year than the Big Eight. Um, the Big Eight loses a lot, uh, you know, both at Madison East and at Madison La Follette. And Sun Prairie loses some key players, Madison Memorial, uh, right on down the line, Janesville Craig. Um, I think on paper, you know, you're going to look to some familiar names. I think East and La Follette will remain very competitive, if not, you know, necessarily win the conference. I think Sun Prairie is going to have another fine team. Um, they, they bring back two uh, juniors to be who, who played a lot of minutes as sophomores and showed a lot of promise in Ben Olson and Addison Ostringa. Um, you know, the key for them is going to be where do they get their guard play because they lose uh, both Dawson Hughes and Colin Schaefer, who handled the ball a lot for Coach Jeppus. So that's that's going to be the big question in the offseason for Sun Prairie. Um, I think Madison Memorial will also have a very good team next year. Um, I think the overall depth in the league will be better, but I'm not sure the teams at the very top will be quite as good as what we had this past year. But, you know, LaFollette loses four starters from a team that was ranked number one uh, through most of the year. Uh, and, and East, of course, loses Anthony Washington and Keontae Jones, two of their mainstays over the last three seasons. So uh, lots of holes to fill in both those lineups. But, you know, the programs in the Big Eight are at the point where uh, and have been for a long time where, where they, they, can, they can bring in up younger players that can fill those spots. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how is it going to look once we once we get to next November? Uh, I think Middleton's another team that has some really good young talent in its program. Um, so that's a, uh, that's a school to keep an eye on as well. You mentioned the Fox Valley Association, two uh, Division One teams that, that certainly stood out from that league this year, Kimberly and Nina. What are we anticipating from those two squads next year? Well, I think Nina will be really, really good. I mean, they lose their best player, Max Klesmet, uh, who's going to Wofford on a D1 ride. Uh, and Max has been outstanding for them the last uh, three years. I mean, he averaged 25 points a game and almost eight rebounds. So uh, it's no small loss, to be sure. But uh, Coach Robbins brings back, uh, you know, f uh, gosh, five, six guys that saw substantial playing time, um, uh, including uh, a couple double-figure scorers in Jacob Dietz and Carter Thomas. I think guard play will be uh, a strength. They have Chevalier Emery, uh, who played quite a bit as a sophomore this past season. Uh, Charlie uh, Wolfcram is kind of a, a two-slash-three uh, type of player who, who brings a lot of uh, steadiness to the program. And then... Um, uh, uh, Max's brother Cal, he he got some varsity minutes as a freshman. Uh, so Cal Klesman and then uh, JJ Pater off their JV team, um, I think is 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 going to be a guy that is going to uh, get some playing time at six six. So I think Nina's going to be really strong. Um, I you know Kimberly uh, obviously they they they, uh, they lose a couple guys to graduation that are going to go on to play college basketball and Jake Buchanan, 
who's going to Division II Rockhurst, and then Logan Pearson, who's going to D3 Platteville. Um, and they lose uh, a couple other guys that played big minutes. But like Sussex and Brookfield Central and, and uh, so many of these programs at the Division I level, uh, it, it's, a, it's the overall strength of the Kimberly program that makes you know they're going to be really good next year. So even guys that didn't play a ton this year, you know they're going to fill in spots next year and be just fine. Um, and they do bring back three guys that, that uh, t- uh, two starters and a, and a key reserve um, that will, you know, provide the core for Lucky Wirtz next year. Jackson Pavletsky uh, averaged 13 a game this year as a sophomore, one of the better kids in that class in the state. And then Grant Asman, a 6'9 senior who's uh, an inside-outside player, has a D2 offer from Michigan Tech. He's also back. So I think those two, uh, you know, stand out in the FVA as we as we sit here on April 1st, you know. But uh, certainly, you know, the Oshkosh schools, I think Fond du Lac will be improved. You know, the Appleton schools all played some some young kids last year. So uh, it's going to be another it's going to be another really good season. I just think at this point, you'd probably have to look at Nina and Kimberly as the two to beat. Who else in Division One should we? know about keep an eye on that, that we haven't mentioned yet yeah i think uh, milwaukee king out of the city conference you know they they went 22 and one this last year their only lost uh was in a regional final to brook east by two points um they bring back the player of the year in the city conference and quentin morrell um yeah, they also have some other key players back and they do have some size um and some strength. So I think they're going to have another hugely successful season out of the classic eight, you know, Arrowhead loses quite a bit. Um, a lot of people are talking about Muskego uh, as the team to beat in that league. Um, they, they bring back a lot of guys, uh, Hunter Wooler and Luke Barra both averaged in double figures and they're both back. Um, and then of course, Racine case out of the Southeast is, has got a really talented lineup. They have two juniors to be that are potential scholarship players and Amari Jedkins and Tyrion Brumbry. And then their top scorer and best player, Jacoby Thompson, it will be a senior next year. Um, and he's back as well. So, um, you know, those two teams come to mind right away. Um, and I, you know, out of the Badger North, Wanakee is a, is a team that brings back all of its key players, uh, except for Caden Hoff, who graduated, who or who will graduate. But they have they have a really good mixture of size and shooting and guard play. Um, so I think Wanakee, you know, if they were in the uh, Big Eight, uh, I, I would probably pick them to win it next year based on what they have back, uh, which is a huge compliment to to Wanakee because uh, the Big Eight is such a good conference. But Boy, I, I, I really think they're going to have a terrific season. So those are some of the other teams to keep an eye on in Division One. We won't put you on the spot quite yet and make you pick a, a favorite or a predicted champion, but we'll get there sometime soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we'll move on to Division Two, where the last few years, uh, it's been a lot about Nicolet, Lacrosse Central. You throw on Alaska in the mix, obviously. Um you know, it was a pretty clear-cut top three this year, especially once Jalen Johnson came back to Nicolay. Uh, which of those teams is best positioned to stay towards the top next year? And what are some of the other uh, storylines and teams to watch in Division Two? Yeah, I think of those three, Nicolay is probably positioned the best to continue its success. Um, obviously, they lose Jalen, which is a you know, unbelievable loss. Uh, you keep going to Duke, you know, you, you don't just replace a guy of that talent. 
but uh, his younger brother Kobe will be a senior and so will James Graham. Um, and uh, both of them have Division One offers and they have some good young players in the program as well. So, uh, you know, a team with a, a great guard in Kobe Johnson and a, and a really good uh, uh, kid with size and, and versatility and James Graham, that's two really good guys to build around. Um, I also think Onalaska is going to have a very good team next year. They they do lose three kids who started for them this year on their 23-2 and two team. Um, but they do bring back uh, two starters, Sam Kick, a, a point guard, and Gavin McGrath, their 6'11 center. And then they also have uh, a couple, well, their sixth man, Victor Desmond, and then a couple other guys that uh, that saw substantial playing time for them as well. So um, I think Onalaska and Nicolet are, are, are two teams that are going to be right there again. As far as Lacrosse Central, I mean, they, they, they obviously lose a lot. They lose four starters, uh, including, uh, you know, two uh, – Two Division One players going to Wisconsin, and Johnny and Jordan Davis, and another, and Terrence Thompson, who likely will commit to a Division One school this this spring. Uh, so they're going to have a bit of a, a I wouldn't necessarily say rebuilding. I think they'll still have a very good team, but I I wouldn't put them among the top ten in the preseason anyway in Division Two. I think Cedarburg is a team out of the North Shore that's going to that's going to be really good next year. Uh, Drew Bieber is is a is a scholarship kid either in football or basketball, and he he's back for his senior year after averaging uh, over 20 points a game. Matthew Pilch is also back. He averaged around nine a game. And then they add Logan Landers, who has transferred in from Brookfield Academy, and he averaged 18 a game at Brookfield Academy and just picked up a D1 offer from Milwaukee. So uh, Cedarburg uh, and Nicolet and that North Shore are both going to be really strong. And, and uh, I think Grafton's going to have a nice team as well in that league. Um, and then, you know, outside of those, you know, I think Pewaukee, uh, River Falls, um, you know, Waukesha West is D2. I think they have a chance. Another North Shore team to watch is Whitefish Bay with Jaden Jackson back for his fourth year of varsity basketball. Um, you know, the Woodlands always got really good teams. We mentioned Pewaukee. I think Wisconsin Lutheran and New Berlin Eisenhower uh, are going to be really good again. I mean, these are a lot of the same teams, Travis, but uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good for a reason. Um, and you know, they have just solid overall programs with, uh, with good players. I mean, this division two, uh, as usual is going to be stacked with really good teams and really good players. And, you know, we have uh, a couple Badger teams too, that I think are going to be really good are, are Monroe and DeForest. So, uh, it's going to be very, very competitive. Uh, I guess on paper, you'd say, uh, probably Nicolay and Onalaska are, are right at the top, but, you, you really couldn't go wrong with almost any of the teams that I have mentioned in Division Two next year. So, Mark, one of the things that is always interesting every year is uh, teams that maybe move up or down a division, and we don't quite know that yet. The WIA has not announced any um, the the enrollment figures for next year and what the divisional placements will be, et cetera. Uh, so we'll learn more about that next year, but... Um, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on that because it will be a storyline. It'd be interesting to see if, you know, some of these teams that we're talking about right now potentially move up a division, and then also, uh, as as you know, how the impact of changes to sectionals will impact things. The teams that move from one sectional to another that can always uh, throw things for a loop. So something else we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on as we continue on into the spring and into the summer. Uh, but let's move our our discussion to Division Three, where this year it was. Uh, very clear cut from early on that Racine St. Catharines was the heavy favorite to win a state title. They were number one in the coaches poll all year, went unbeaten. 
um, played some pretty tough teams and uh, and looked very good. And they've got a lot, a lot coming back next year. So is that a uh, another situation where St. Catharines is a pretty clear favorite entering the 2021 season? Well, I hope Coach Bennett uh, isn't listening to this podcast because uh, I would say yes, but I, I think he probably <laughs> would beg to differ because they they do lose uh, you know three key players off their team this year, but you know their three guards are back, and I think all three are going to be scholarship players either at the D one or D two level. Uh, Tyrese Hunter, Jameer Barker, and Kamari McGee, uh, and then their six man Kelvin Hunter, who's uh, a good perimeter shooter, another guard. He's back, and um, I think Marcel. Tyler, a six-force senior to be, is gonna is gonna have a big senior season for them. He came on strong at the end of the year, and he'll help he'll help to offset the graduation loss of Elijah Lambert and Elijah Sabala, two starters that will graduate. Um, you know, the key for for St. Katz is to is to find the guys to fill, you know, the the four, five, six, seven, eight spots on their team. Uh, certainly, with with those three guards that I mentioned, they're they're going to be in the top. They're their top three players, and I really think Hunter and, and Tyler will be in the mix. So that gives you five. Where do you go beyond that? Are there some good young players coming up? Are there some uh, seniors to be or juniors to be that you know can elevate their game over the summer and and be ready to make a big contribution next year? That's the big question for St. Cats. And you know the thing with them is they play such a good schedule both within the league and in their non-conference games that they could possibly get bumped off next year um, but still be the team to beat um, of course this year they, they made it through unbeaten but um, you know when you in that Metro Classic when you got Dominican and Martin Luther and I think the Prairie School is going to be really good next year and and then the non-conference schedule that Nick plays we have met uh, playing both Marquette High and Monroe in our WBY shootout next year um, you know that's they're going to get uh, they're going to get pushed there too but Yes, on paper, I would say that there's that they will enter the season as the team to beat in D3. So what are other teams in Division Three that would be positioned to challenge them, some teams that might open in the top five, top ten uh, in D3? Well, I think Brown Deer, you know, much like Cedarburg, they're, they're going to benefit from a, a transfer student and John Lovelace who came over uh, at the end of the of this past season from Wauwatosa East. And he'll join a returning group that uh, that's pretty talented. Uh, Amar, Armani Jones is one of the better uh, juniors to be in the state. And Jeremiah Dotson at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, gives him some really good size in the post. As, as a senior, Mark Wade will be a senior guard who's played up on the varsity for uh, two or three years now. So, um, you know, Coach Winston's got a really good core coming back. Um, and then he adds Lovelace. Uh, you know, that, that that's going to certainly make them uh, a team with really good size and really good guard play. Uh, and they're going to be tough to beat. Um, and I... My guess is that they'll probably be in the same sectional as St. Catharines, um, and they could be the two best teams in, in Division Three next year. Um, but you know, it's not nece- it's not necessarily set in stone that they'll be in the same sectional, um, depending on how they carve up. Uh, you know, whether they go east, west, north, south, whatever, with the with the sectional pairings, which will come out uh, usually uh, in April or May. Um, outside of those two teams, you know, there's I think Altoona's got a lot back, and they won the Western Clover Belt this year. Um, you know, Edgewood's a team that's going to get tested a lot, obviously, with the schedule it plays 
uh, in the Badger South and then their, the, the non-conference schedule that Chris Weller puts together. But um, they have a really good core of guys back. Uh, Osandro Jimenez and Michael Rainier are kids that have played up on the varsity for uh, two years already. Uh, ben Newton is, is a solid player who played a lot of minutes for them last year. And um, they got kind of a wild card. And I think he's probably that way in football too. Charles Clark, he's about six seven six eight and about 350 pounds so um that's a kid that you know could could make could push them over the top in terms of being a really good team just by this by the by his presence on the court i mean that's that's a big kid um obviously lake mills is a team that uh, in a program that has been very very solid of late um and they have uh uh, you know, four key returning players off of their team that went 21 and four and, and lost at uh, St. Cats uh, in the regional final. Um, Brandon Joseph's got a good team down at Milwaukee Carmen. Uh, St. Croix Central in the middle border is really good. And, and Brandon Prozinski, Brennan Tim are back at St. John's Military Academy. Uh, once again, they had a great season and won the Midwest Classic Conference. Uh, Wrightstown's got, uh, they lose a lot, but they also bring a lot back. And uh, they did beat Xavier for the first time this year in that uh, sectional uh, semi um, in Division Three. And, uh, and Xavier, like Wrightstown, brings a lot back. So those two teams could potentially be looking at another sectional matchup. Um, so those are some of the teams. And then, you know, some of the normal teams that you would expect, like Martin Luther, uh, Oostburg, Edgerton, East Troy, uh, Lake Country Lutheran, I think, is going to be really good. Um, they're all going to have solid teams as well. So uh, pretty balanced. I think Brown Deer and St. Cats might stand out a little bit just based on uh, the returning talent that they have, but certainly uh, other good teams in Division Three as well. As we turn our attention to Division Four, like every division, like every uh, aspect of the season, there was a lot of what could have been and might have been as you looked at Division Four, and it goes back before the season started when you had Braden Daly transfer from Mineral Point to Cuba City. Staying with Mineral Point, you had Isaac Lindsay, uh, UNLV recruit, missing essentially the second part of the season to injury. Um, a lot of might have been, including Cuba City's quest for a state title for Jerry Pettigrew um, in what was his, what, 51st year? Was that, was that right? Uh, 49th at Cuba City 49th. and... Yeah, so next year will be his 50th at Cuba City, and and he coached at Graciot before that when that still had a high school, when that city still had a high school for two, three, four years, what I forget what it was now. Um, so um, my hunch is that next year might be Jerry's last year, and, um, you know, he's approaching 80 now. He's got a really good team coming back. Uh, you know, obviously Braden Daly will lead the way for them, but Jack Miskey's a kid that just continues to get better at 6'4". He's going to be a key player for them as well. Um, they do lose some some key guys, though. I mean, Brady Olson is going to Parkside on a scholarship. He was their point guard for the last three years and a really good player. And then Jackson Knoll, another really good back backcourt performer for Cuba City. He, he graduates as well and is going to go on and play at Stout. So, uh, they're going to have to find uh, guys to replace those two key leaders. Um, but uh, certainly with Daly and Miski back and Riley Richard is back, uh, he had three sophomores that uh, saw some varsity time off the bench this year. So, uh, you know, Cuba City and Darlington again in the Swall, um, you know, are going to be really, really good. Uh, Darlington had three losses. They went 22-3 and three this year, and all three losses were to Cuba City. Um, and they lose two players 
um, you know, that were in their rotation, so to speak. But they bring back really good size with Caden Rankin at 6'6 and Carter Lancaster at 6'4. Uh, they bring back uh, four guys that averaged uh, 7.5 points or above, and they bring back the player of the year in the conference in Carter Lancaster. So those games again next year will be wars, and uh, they'll be in the same sectional again, obviously, and uh, we'll have to see how that all plays out. But uh, uh, Darlington and Cuba City from the Swall are going to be two teams to watch. Um, you mentioned uh, this year and the, the fact that we didn't get to see if Cuba City was going to uh, go on and win the state championship. Um, I think another uh, thing that we really missed out on um, was the opportunity to possibly see Milwaukee uh, Academy of Science at the state tournament with two Division One players and Darius Hanna, who's going to, to Bradley, and Kaleem Taylor, who's going to Milwaukee. And uh, although they'll, they'll still have... Uh, Donald McHenry back, a double-figure scorer. Uh, they do lose, you know, like I said, two Division One players. So uh, Milwaukee Academy of Science uh, won't be quite as potent next year. I think a team to really keep an eye on next year in, in D4 is Racine Prairie. Um, they bring back virtually their entire team. Um, they have a, a freshman, a 6'5 freshman, who who averaged 11 points and six rebounds this year. He'll be a sophomore next year. And, and then, of course, they have Antoine Nesbitt, uh, a really good athlete, good player overall. He averaged 19 and eight this year. Um, Cody Kreckling and Asanjay Hunter are also back. I think I think the Prairie School is going to definitely be a team to reckon with. Um, you know, you always look at teams like Edgar and Marathon uh, out of that Merrillwood Conference and and. Um, I think that both of those teams will be really good. Stratford, unfortunately for them, they, they, they lose a lot, a lot to graduation. And that's another storyline in D4, D4 that wasn't fulfilled. You know, they were unbeaten as well. And, uh, you know, they were unbeaten last year until they lost in the in the sectional. And, and um, you know, we didn't get a chance to see Ben Barton uh, and, and, and company partake, partake possibly in, in a chance to win the state championship. So, um, But I think they, they do have a lot of holes to fill next year. Up north, I think Cameron's going to have a really good team. They got uh, Richie Murphy back, a really quick, small point guard who is a four-year starter for them. And, and Austin Weiss, uh, a rangy 6'4 player. Um, they've won a lot of games over the last couple of years, and I think they're going to be really good. Uh, Belleville is going to be solid out of the uh, Capital Conference. Um, and then uh, I think Durand is also going to – Durand and Grantsburg, two other teams up north, I think are going to be pretty strong too. So um, as usual, pretty good depth. Um, and, you know, you look at those two teams in the squall. There's other good teams in the squall as well with Fenimore and Mineral Point. But certainly Cuba City and, and Darlington on paper are the two to beat in that league. And, you know, two that are certainly going to be on the state landscape all year next season. You know, we mentioned uh, the possibility of teams changing divisions and – Edgar is one of those teams that has been very close to that Division Five uh, bubble. Um, they could potentially fall down to Division Five next year, depending on how things play out. Uh, and let's talk about Division Five. And, and if Edgar were to go to D five, are, are they? I assume a contender there as well. Well, I, I kind of looked at that actually uh, as I was doing this art, these articles last week, and um, there are 128 schools right now. Uh, or excuse me, 127 at 188 or under. So normally they go with 128 in D5. And Edgar and Wild Rose are both at 189. So <laughs> they they certainly, they're right on that bubble. Um, now that doesn't take into account if there are new schools coming in. 
Um, sometimes there's some smaller um, private schools that partake in the tournament, like Baraboo Christian or, uh, you know, some of these schools that we really don't know much about. Um, so if they come in, then obviously they, they would get bumped up. But, um, and you know, so sir, if, if Edgar does play in D5, I made them uh, one of the teams to watch in D4. They most certainly would be one of the teams to watch in D5 as well and, and would, you know, be a strong title contender uh, should they go down there. And we'll find that out later this spring. But uh, one team that I know for sure uh, will drop down from D4 to D5 and, and have a really good team next year is Lourdes Academy. Uh, as you know, Travis, they finished second in D4 in 2019 and had qualified for the sectional semis, uh, they lost by two to a very good Iola Scandinavia team. Um, so, um, if you qualify for state one year, um, and, and an enrollment shift would would move you down a division the next year, you still play up for a year, and that's what Lourdes. That's the situation Lourdes was in this year. Even though their enrollment was at such a point where they should have been Division Five, they played D four in 2020 because they qualified for state in 2019. Well, they didn't qualify for state in 2020. They were beaten in the sectional semis. So they will most definitely be in D5 next year, unless the school petition to, to go up, as schools can do, as you know. Um, but uh, they bring back uh, three really good players, and their best player, Preston Rudinger, who averaged almost 28 a game as a as a junior. Uh, Josh Bauer and Jack McKillops are, are two other senior guards that have played a lot of basketball for Lourdes. Um, and uh, they do lose their big guy, George Munch, at 6'6". He just committed to Edgewood. Um, but I, I look for a guy like Nathan Slaughter to, to take his spot. Nathan came off the bench at 6'4 last year and averaged 4.7 and 3.0. So, um, you know, I think Lourdes is definitely going to be a team at the D5 level next year. Um, but, you know, they likely will be in that same loaded sectional um, with teams like Sheboygan Lutheran, uh, who, even though they lose... 39 points and 16 rebounds a night provided by Jacob Agnosovic this past year. Everybody else is back. Um, so that means Casey Verhagen and Robbie Michael and Jonah Juris and Andrew Verhelst, Jackson Holzheimer, they're all back. Um, so uh, I don't think there's going to be any obits written anytime soon for Sheboygan Lutheran. Um, I think they're going to be really good. And, and I think Wabino Leona, uh, up from the Northern Lakes Conference, uh, they, they have a 19-7 and record this past season and bring back most of their key players. Uh, that's another team to keep an eye on uh, in that part of the state. You know, Randolph and Monticello um, are both going to have really good teams. Uh, you know, Houston's third plays with Lourdes in that Trailways uh, conference, and uh, they bring back Dylan Keel and, and Gavin Thim, a couple guys that averaged in double figures and, and uh, earned all conference recognition. Um, a couple sleepers out of the Eastern Clover Belt, I think that could have good seasons. Uh, Columbus Catholic, which struggled this past year, but is a traditional power in D5. Uh, they lose one player to graduation. Everyone else is back. And then Greenwood, which had a, a, a strong season and has most of its players back. And, um, at, you know, probably the team to beat outside of maybe Lourdes heading into, into Division 5 next year will be Blair Taylor uh, at 24-2 and two this past year. Uh, they got uh, beat pretty badly by Banger early in the year, and then they came back and beat Banger by one point uh, in the WI playoffs 
So they were still alive when COVID hit. Um, and, uh, and Coach Storley has, uh, you know, two first-team all-conference players back and Matthew Waldera and Kyle Steinen. Um, and then Alec Reisman is another double-figure scorer back for them. Uh, they're going to be very, very good. And uh, as we've seen in the past, you know, they're, they're a team that w- when, they're, when they're at the state tournament always performs well, always has a really good backing. Um, so uh, I look for them to be really good next year. Um, as they were this year. And another traditional team that uh, has had a lot of success of late is Clear Lake. Um, They were in D4 for several years. They're in D5 now. I think they're going to have a really good uh, squad as well. So some familiar teams, uh, some newcomers, um, uh, particularly with Lourdes dropping down from D5. Um, I think Hurley way up north is going to have a real good year, and and I think Luck will be solid as well. Um, So, uh, you know, it's... uh, it's always interesting to see which teams emerge in Division Five because there's a lot of ways things can go. You know, because they're not as deep as, as uh, bigger schools. You know, are there football injuries that linger? Are there kids that that you know are going to miss their senior season because of injuries either in football or soccer or what have you? Um, you know, so uh, all that factors in as well. But on paper, as we sit here today, I, I think. Uh, Blair Taylor and, and Lourdes Academy and Sheboygan Lutheran are probably the the three top teams entering next season. Every year, it seems like there's kind of a theme or a big storyline that uh, we talk about coming into the season, um, whether it's transfers or or whatever it might be. Is there a, a theme or a big story that is is going to be dominating? You know, the early part of the season next year. Well, hard to say because, you know, we certainly could still have transfers come in uh, before the start of next school year. But um, I guess uh, uh, on paper, you would probably have to look at Sussex Hamilton with Patrick Baldwin. You know, where will he go to college? Um, you know, what you know, how will he lead his team next year as a senior in a, in a great conference? Um, certainly Brookfield Central is going to be another huge story uh, with the talent that they have coming back. Uh, Nicolay and Onalaska and D2 are, are going to be, I think, two teams that people talk about a lot um, during the course of the season. We mentioned St. Catharines in Division Three and uh, Brown Deer. Uh, um, you know, I think every division has has those storylines. But I guess the overriding storyline would probably be uh, Patrick Baldwin. Uh, you know, when you get a kid of that talent, um, uh, you know, you just kind of sit back and admire it because uh, we just don't get players like that very often to come through our state. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson was a kid of similar talent um, and, and uh, played, obviously, at the state tournament for both Sun Prairie and Nicolay, and uh, it's certainly exciting to watch him play. And, you know, going back over the years, guys like Sam Decker and, and Henry Ellenson and Diamond Stone, and, I mean, gosh, you can go up and down. There's been, you know, big-name players at the state tournament, but uh, none will be bigger than Patrick Baldwin. Some might possibly equal him, but um, I think he's probably the biggest storyline entering next year. You know, is he going to be take his game to an even higher level and uh, and lead Sussex to that uh, greater Metro title and, and potentially a state tournament berth? So, you know, I think that's that's definitely something we're all going to be watching very closely. I think a uh, a theme for a lot of teams, especially the what was it, forty teams still alive for sectional finals, is going to be unfinished business. Uh, yes, the, the idea that there was not closure that. You know, there 
they, they didn't get that sense of closure and that there is going to be a, a idea that, you know, they want to get back out there and, uh, and, and get back on the court, obviously, and have a chance to, to prove it all over again. So that'll be a big thing that we're watching. And, and I mean, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And, and we're still thinking very optimistically about uh, fall sports, about the, the resumption of, uh, of some kind of activities for the summer. Spring is not looking good. But, um, you know, that, that we're not going to have any lingering issues from all of this into the, uh, into the winter season, hopefully. Uh, so that is a, a great walkthrough, Mark, of, uh, of some of the things to watch for for next year, uh, some ideas to keep an eye on over the coming months. Um, as we've talked about, there will still be some, uh, some news that will be coming out very soon, most likely, involving enrollments and divisional placements and things like that that, uh, that I'm sure you'll have a breakdown on once they, uh, once they come out soon here. And uh, we'll have all kinds of information, as we've said every week, uh, all kinds of information that you can find on wisports.net. Um, throughout the uh, the hiatus that we're on. So, Mark, appreciate you joining us, as always, and, uh, and we'll chat at you again soon. Okay, thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. There you go. Great conversation with Mark as he uh, takes a look at some of the big storylines that we will be talking about next year. And again, a lot of redemption, a lot of unfinished business uh, themes, I'm sure, for a lot of teams, a lot of players next year especially those 40 that were alive still heading into the sectional finals before everything got canceled. We're going to wrap up our WSN podcast today with a a little bit of a sneak peek. uh, Not necessarily a sneak peek. We're going to wrap up our discussion today on our WSN podcast with a look at some of the uh, news and and information that's come out about some of the... I still don't like that. We're going to wrap up our discussion for the WSN podcast with a look at uh, the coming changes to the high school football conferences for this fall for 2020. Again, if you go back the last couple of years, uh, a big undertaking to do a statewide football only conference realignment that was passed a year ago uh, in April of 2019. Uh, but there have been some uh, some of those leagues, some of the new leagues re- reformed, reformatted uh, conferences that we now know what the names for those conferences are going to be. So we'll run down those quick. Um, And by the way, we do have the 2020 football season live on WSN. There are no schedules yet for teams. We're working on getting those in in the next couple weeks. Uh, Once we get those in, by the way, you can look for some some content around some of the big games to keep an eye on, uh, some of the big games that we're going to be watching. Uh, We also still need to get in. Once we get the information from the WIAA, which we don't know when that will be, a lot of times the official enrollments don't come out until early summer, um, but once we get those, we will put together uh, the team information to include the coach, the uh, the enrollment figure, the projected playoff division that, that we think they will fall into. Um, we also will be uh, removing all of the uh, class of 2020 players off the rosters, getting that cleaned up. So there's still a good amount of cleanup that we have to do, but we did want to get the season uh, launched uh, so that folks can start checking it out, especially with all of these conference changes that are coming about in 2020. Um, all the teams are moved around. All the conferences are labeled correctly. Everything should be uh, right. We do still have to do the same thing for eight-player football, um, but we are waiting on the names for the eight-player leagues because it's very, very different for eight-player this year 
Um, and I have no idea what, what the names are or how they're going to be uh, identified uh, officially. So I've got some, uh, some requests into the WIAA and uh, try to get that information as well. But for 11-player conferences, uh, we're just going to talk about the, the names that have changed because almost every conference has changed in some fashion. Teams moved in, teams moved out, whatever. We're not going to break down all of those. But in terms of naming, so the Capital Conference, it used to be a Capital North uh, and a Capital South. And uh, now that was split into what initially on the uh, the realignment was designated as Capital One, Capital Two. Well, now the Capital Two, which is most of the larger schools, which is the larger schools uh, in that league, is going to be just called the Capital Conference. That's going to be Bigfoot, Lodi, Turner, Lake Mills, Watertown, Luther Prep, Columbus, Lakeside Lutheran, and Horicon Hustisford. And then the other part of that uh, grouping is actually going to be the Eastern Suburban Conference. That will be some uh, uh, teams coming in from the Rock Valley, from the Trailways, and a few capital leftovers. So that'll be Clinton, Marshall, Palmyra Eagle, Cambridge, Waterloo, Dodgeland, Marcusan, and Partyville. The Eastern Suburban Conference. The... Uh, the Alphabet Conference, as some people called it, the MONLPC, used to be a large and a small, uh, designated on the sheet, on the uh, realignment information as East and West. Now will be uh, two different conferences officially. There will be the Packerland Conference, which is, of course, an existing conference uh, for sports in general, although there has not been a Packerland Conference for football for quite some time. That will be made up of the... Uh, the Large or the East, however you want to identify it. That'll be Clintonville, Sturgeon Bay, Peshtigo, Kiwani, Southern Door, Bonduel, Ocanto, and Mishicot. Now, Sturgeon Bay, uh, from the sounds of it, is essentially going to forfeit the next two years of 11-player football and try to find some non-conference games in eight-player. We'll see how that goes for them. Uh, a school of 400 kids not able to field a football team. And keep in mind, they celebrated the 15-year anniversary of an undefeated, I think it was undefeated, uh, it was a state championship either way, um, that uh, they won in 2004. Um, so, you know, things can change. Things can change over time. Things can change pretty quickly. Sturgeon Bay dropping to, uh, to eight-player football. So that means that all those teams in that league will receive a forfeit victory for any of the uh, games that should have been scheduled against Sturgeon Bay. The other part of that group is going to be the Northwoods Football Conference. I like that name. That's going to be Oconto Falls, Northland Pines, Tomahawk, Menominee Indian, Crandon, the Niagara Goodman Pembine Co-op, which goes by Northern Elite, also Coleman and Crivets. So that will be the Northwoods Football Conference. The, uh, the VFA, which of course was a combination of the Wisconsin Valley uh, Conference and the Fox Valley Association, uh, a still controversial uh, move that happened, gosh, what was it, six, eight years ago now. Um, interesting dynamics there. So there's going to be a Fox Valley Association. That is the eight teams that were uh, all FVA schools. Um, and then there is going to be a Valley Football Association. That is going to be all of the former Wisconsin Valley Conference schools, and then a couple of the FBA schools. So the, the Valley Football Association will be Stevens Point, D.C. Everest, Wisconsin Rapids, Appleton West, Wausau West, Marshfield, Hortonville, and then Wausau East returns to the league after playing as an independent uh, when they uh, had left. Uh, so then the Fox Valley Association is all of the other eight FBA schools except for 
Appleton West, and Hortonville. The FRCC was split into two groupings, and, and teams moved in and moved around a little bit. Uh, there's going to be an FRCC North, which is the uh, the stronger of the two leagues. That's Green Bay Preble, Bayport, De Pere, Green Bay Southwest, Pulaski, Ashwaubenon, and West De Pere. And then an FRCC South, which is Sheboygan North, Manitowoc Lincoln, Sheboygan South, Green Bay East, Menasha, Green Bay West, and Notre Dame. So essentially almost kind of two divisions of the FRCC. Uh, those are seven-team leagues, so they will play a crossover game, uh, uh, one crossover game for each team. What had been designated on the initial realignment as a, uh, a combination of the Cloverwood and Merrowood is just going to be called the Merrowood. That will include Colby, Auburndale, Marathon, Abbotsford, Thorpe, Athens, Edgar, and Owen Withy. So that'll just be the Merrowood now. There used to be two, tr two divisions of the Trailways, a large and a small. Now there will be just one, and it will just be the Trailways Conference. So that will be the, the holdover Trailways teams of Fall, uh, Fall River Rio, Lords Academy, Deerfield, Wayland Academy, although uh, from the sounds of it, they will not be fielding a varsity team, and uh, those teams will get uh, forfeit victories in, in those matchups. Johnson Creek, Randolph, Cambria, Friesland, and then St. John's Northwest Military Academy, comes into that grouping. So that's the eight teams in the Trailways Conference. Um, one name change that we knew about, because that's how it was designated, uh, is the Badger Conference, which had been a north and a south. But with the redesign that happened, with bringing in the uh, Janesville schools, the, uh, the split went to a large and small. So there will be a Badger large and a Badger small. One of the changes that I, I guess I hadn't anticipated or, or certainly known about um, comes in the Woodland, where previously there was a Woodland East and there was a Woodland West. There will be a Woodland Conference that will be um, essentially the old Woodland East that will include Shorewood Mesmer, Greenfield, South Milwaukee, Whitnall, and Cudahy. Then you add in Greendale from what uh, from the Woodland West and Wisconsin Lutheran from the Woodland West. And of course, Wisconsin Lutheran was only in there for a year or two after moving over from the uh, Wisconsin Little 10. And then Grafton comes into the Woodland Conference, previously a member of the North Shore. So what does that mean for the Woodland West, you ask? Well, there is no Woodland West. There is a Parkland Conference a league that had uh, had previously been around in different incarnations and then went away. Uh, I don't exactly re remember which year it would have been, around 2005 time frame, in favor of the, uh, the Woodland Conference. But the Parkland Conference will include former Woodland West schools, Pewaukee, New Berlin Eisenhower, Pius, and New Berlin West. And then you add in Catholic Memorial from the Classic 8 Conference. You add in the Tosa schools, Wauwatosa East and Wauwatosa West, and then you also add in Milwaukee Lutheran, who moves over from what had been the Woodland East and previously uh, had been um, in, the, uh, in the Little Ten Conference. So you, you get some uh, uh, schools kind of mixed around. You get these new names and, uh, and some, some new interest. I, I love the Northwoods Conference uh, name. I like the Packerland coming back, the Eastern Suburban. I think that was actually a league that used to be around as well. And then, uh, again, the return of the Parkland Conference as well. Of note, teams that will move to eight-player football include Gilman, Greenwood, the Kickapoo Lafarge Co-op, North Crawford, 
And then Weston and Waniwak will move to eight-player. They previously had been in a co-op, but now they are uh, going to be standalone programs. And then, as mentioned, Sturgeon Bay will move to eight-player, although not officially. They won't be part of any league. They're certainly not eligible for the playoffs. Their enrollment is way too high anyways. Uh, but they're picking up some non-conference games to fill in schedules here and there. And uh, so that's what we're looking at for 2020 football. Uh, some of the changes, some of the naming changes that um, that are going to be on tap for this fall. And again, you can find all of that on the football page. If you go to teams, uh, that will take you to the 2020 football season. Again, we'll continue to add in schedules. We'll continue to add in team information as it uh, becomes available. So be, make sure to uh, to check that all out. This has been a pretty jam-packed edition of the WSN Podcast. I am Travis Wilson. When we do return to games, we'll see you at a game.